If you would turn in your Bibles to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. We are taking a break from the book of John in the book in the month of April, uh, the rest of the month of April and into May probably. And um, we, we want to uh, just bring to you some, some, actually some changes, some things that we'll be seeing uh, maybe differently. Or, uh, but before we bring these changes to the church, and you'll be seeing them, uh, we're, we'll be bringing a, um, some, really some minor changes to our Constitution. And to do that, though, we want to just think through and teach through some of those changes before we, before we do that. And obviously you'll have a, uh, we'll try to get a copy of the Constitution and, and things that will be in May. And, and uh, to do that, um, we want to think through Scripture. We want to have a biblical understanding of every element and every, every issue. And uh, so the elders have asked me to, uh, to take some time out of April and May and to teach on these things, teach, teach on these things that really uh, are spelled out in our Constitution pretty well, but we're just wanting to refine a few things that are there. Now, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, I'm going to begin reading in verse 12 and 13. Really, we just want to look at those two verses uh, today. Verse 12, But we request of you, brethren, that you appreciate those who diligently labor among you and have charge over you in the Lord and give you instruction, and that you esteem them very highly in love because of their work. Live in peace with one another. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we thank You for Your Word and the direction that it gives us for our life on an individual basis, Lord. Uh, just uh, the morals that it reminds us of, the morals that it brings to bear upon our lives, the, the structure that it brings upon our families and the direction there and the, the help as uh, it, it is in a... We live in a confusing day, but your word just brings clarity to the way we're to live in our homes and also in our church. And Lord, as we spend some time now thinking through these issues, I pray that you would give clarity, that you would help us to understand your word and that it would be a blessing to our lives and and that we would be eager to obey and to live up to its standards knowing, Lord, that You have provided the Holy Spirit and His work in our lives to, to bring us and to convict us in Your Word and to, to help us to apply Your Word. I pray, Lord, that You bless our time. Lord, we recognize that, that without Your shed blood of Your Son, Jesus Christ, we would have, there is no forgiveness of sin. And, and we would be most miserable. And Lord, we... We just pray that, uh, Lord, that you would just work in our hearts and, and we recognize that we stand before you needing forgiveness and we come today pleading that. And, Lord, we, we stand before you forgiven. We stand before you cleansed only because of Christ and his work. And we thank you, Lord, for your work in our lives. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, the world has a bad attitude toward leadership. 
the attitude of the world toward leaders just in general is, is not good. It's really somewhat unhealthy. We don't trust leaders. Now, granted, there's been plenty of, plenty of things that have happened that caused us to distrust leaders. And so we can be somewhat justified by being skeptical, by being cynical toward leaders. But we have to be very, very careful, especially in that area of leadership. We have to have a proper attitude, a biblical attitude toward leadership. Let me give you an example. The approval rating for Congress, does anybody know what it is? It's pretty low. 13%, 14%, it's according to which poll. But it really doesn't vary. Some have 12, some have 14, and it varies there. But the disapproval rating is about the same. It's, it's around 80%, 81%, 82%. We, we don't like what they're doing. We disapprove of them. We don't like the way they are running our country. We have a bad attitude. You think, well, rightfully so. Look what they're doing. And, and, and we get all upset. And, and we begin to question their motives. Well, what are they doing this for? It's all for the money. It's all for the power. And we begin to not trust them. And, it, and it, really that attitude can fester within us and we become embittered against them. And, and you know the scenario. You run into these people every once in a while and man, they're just inflamed. They're ready to take up arms and go against the government. Now, some of them might be in this room today. <laughs> and I can, I can tend to be like that. I can tend to be a passionate person and and go off and have that kind of attitude. But my concern is that sometimes we bring that attitude into the church. And uh, and, and we have to be careful about that. The church is different. It's different. It's a different, really it's a different leadership that we see in Scripture. It's a servant leadership. It's a loving leadership that we see in Scripture. And Scripture is where our authority rests. It rests right here in Scripture. Before Christ left, He went up to heaven. Before He left, He said, All authority has been given to Me. Now go and make disciples. And and teach them everything that I've taught you. So He transferred that authority to the church. The church has the responsibility and the authority to proclaim the gospel of Christ, to call people to repentance. We have authority to do what we do. And really, when we look at Scripture, the responsibility of the church lies upon the backs and the shoulders of the elders. The elders carry that responsibility to make sure, yes, that's what the church is doing. Yes, that's what um, we're called to do and we're doing it correctly and we're making sure those responsibilities are being adhered to. And the the elders have a, a heavy burden. And uh, we would see them as our leaders. And, and uh, Paul is concerned about uh, this in this particular passage in First Thessalonians. And he, and he wants to correct some things here in this passage. Now, let me just, um, let me just say, uh, I like MacArthur's quote concerning church leadership. This is leadership in the church, he says. And he says, and I'm not... Sp- and I'm not, I'm speaking of every aspect of lead, spiritual leadership, not just the pastor's role. 
He says, this is a mantle of status. This is not a mantle of status that is conferred upon the leaders by the aristocracy. It's not just for the the rich and famous of the church. It isn't earned by seniority. It isn't purchased by money. It isn't inherited by the the family ties. It doesn't necessarily fall upon the, the most successful in business or finance. It's not doled out on the basis of intelligence or talent. Its, its requirements are faultless character and spiritual maturity and a willingness to serve humbly. That's servant leadership. That's spiritual leadership. That's the kind of leadership that we find in the church. It's not a lording it over kind of leadership. Now, when we come to this book of Thessalonians, Paul is addressing some things in the church. Now, this is a healthy church. This is a fairly good church. There's really nothing major that he has to draw attention to. He corrects some of the theology about the, the end times and the Lord's day. Look at the first chapter. He says in verse chapter 1, verse 3, he says, uh, constantly bearing in mind your work of faith and your labor of love and your steadfastness of hope in the Lord Jesus Christ, your, uh, in the presence of our uh, God and Father. They're, they're a healthy church. He's remembering this is the way you were and he just got a report back from Timothy in chapter uh, 3 and he's very encouraged by what he sees there. So he, he sees some good things, some healthy things. These are mature believers. But there's a few things that he, he just wants to tweak. He just wants to correct. Uh, some, a few ideas that need, to be, that need to be adjusted. And so toward the end of his book, he, he kind of just gives us a, a grocery list, a, a checklist of some very basic things in Christianity. And look at them. Verse 16. This is chapter 5, verse 16. He says, Rejoice always. Now, you know this list. Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. In everything, give thanks. Verse 19, don't quench the spirit. Uh, Verse 20, do not despise prophetic utterances. They're still getting utterances from the Lord or or, uh, revelations from the Lord. The Bible was not complete. They were still doing that. And and don't don't be embittered against them. Don't, Don't despise that. That's a good thing, Paul says. So he just gives this list, but he starts out that list in verse 12. The verse that I just read for you. He starts out that list concerning spiritual leadership. The proper attitude, the proper thinking of spiritual leadership. Here's what you need to, here's what you need to do. Now, let me show you, again, reiterate this point. Paul is not going into um, a dissertation on spiritual leadership. He's not giving the qualifications of an elder and deacon. He's not laying all of that stuff out. They know that. That's already fundamental to their thinking. He's just wanting to tweak some things. Look at verse chapter 4, verse 10. It says, For indeed, you do practice it. And this is this loving... They, they developed a loving relationship within the church toward all the brethren, he says, who are in all Macedonia. But I urge you, brethren... To excel still more. So there's a level of spiritual maturity there that they had kind of, they'd kind of reached. 
And things are healthy. Things are good. Things are vibrant in the church. But yet, he says, excel still more. He's pushing them to, to excellence. To, to go beyond even their own expectations. And again, they had a healthy view of Scripture. They were mature believers. Let me remind you of chapter 2, verse 13. Chapter 2, verse 13 says, For this reason we also can, uh, constantly thank God that you, when you received the Word of God, which you heard from us, you accepted it not as the Word of man, but for what it really is, the Word of God. Man, that's great. That's excellent. They, they looked at uh, what was Paul was teaching was, was, had the weightiness of and authority of God Himself. And that's great. They were a mature church. They just need to grow a little bit more. He was pushing them a little bit more. Maybe some refining, some tweaking in this area or that area. One of those areas is spiritual leadership. Now here's what I want you to see in this passage. A mature believer has the right understanding, has the right understanding of the roles and responsibilities of an elder, of an elder. Now we're getting ready to, uh, in our church, to, to bring on uh, some more elders and deacons. And so this is appropriate for us to take our time and just think through this. What's the proper attitude? What's, the, the, what's a mature role or mature believer? What do they understand and that's the question. What is the role and responsibility of an elder for which they will give an account before God? What is the role and responsibility? Well, I, without going into too deep, because I, I hope and I think that you have a, a fairly good understanding of the biblical teaching of those things, we just want to tweak it. We just want to have the right attitude, just like Paul is doing here. And he gives us three aspects of their work. It's kind of like a, a brief job description, if you will. Now, look at the first one. He says, But we, are, we request of you, brethren, that you appreciate, that you appreciate those who diligently labor among you. Now, he's talking about elders. They labor among you, um, having charge over you. That's an elder role. And even giving instruction. That's the teaching role. He's not talking about deacon, but he's talking about the elder. He's referring to those. It's a job description for the elder. The elder. The, the elder being uh, not just the man who is behind the pulpit, but all of the elders. We have, uh, there's five elders at Daniel's Bible Church. There's five others. Now, here's the first point. Here's the first thing I want us to notice here. Elders work in the spiritual realm. Elders work in the spiritual realm. The church is the pillar of truth. This is the area of, of ideas, thoughts, words, sentences. Now, it's different, a little bit different than doing physical labor. When I was... Uh, when I was younger, um, I had the privilege of working for an engineering firm, and I did that for one year. One of my jobs was to go underground. And uh, we're in about 45-inch or 42-inch high coal, and you're crawling around at that height. And, uh, boy, if you, uh, if you forget your knee pads that day, you're just, on, you're just out of luck. It's hard 
And sometimes even with knee pads, uh, rocks would get underneath uh, between the knee pad and your knee, and it really, really hurts. But you had to do your job, and you had to do it quickly. These men were waiting on you to come in and, and take all of the measurements that we needed and uh, do the work that we needed. And, and I learned that work is hard. Work is very hard. And that's in the physical realm. Work is hard. I understand hard labor. But Paul is talking about here in the spiritual realm. And you know what? It's just as hard. It's just as hard. And it's hard. This is the realm of of ideas and and words and sentences. And it's just as hard because, because this is Satan's workplace. This is where he lives and moves and has his being. He lives in this idealistic world and he's, he's promoting lies and false world views and philosophies and that's what Satan does. And this is his realm. That's what makes it so hard. And there is consequences to our ideas. We, we live in the physical world, but folks, we also live in this world. In this spiritual world, this world of of ideas and thoughts and spirit beings, if you will. Satan, Satan, for example, deceived Eve with an idea. Has God said? It's just an idea. Just placed a little thought in her mind. Just a little question. Has God said? Every sin starts with a bad idea. It's a bad idea. Hitler, for example, he had an idea and he acted upon it. And he continued to act upon it. Making disciples is what Daniel's Bible Church is about. This is what we do. And it is in the realm of ideas. Making disciples is in the realm of ideas. We... We are getting rid of sinful ideas, sinful thoughts, and we are putting in the place biblical ideas and biblical thoughts. We call it renewing our minds. And it is no easy task. There's four things, really, that make it very, very difficult. Number one is the fact that every thought and every motive of man is evil continuously. What? That's what God said when He looked down upon man in Noah's day in Genesis chapter 6. We are selfish. We are worldly. We exclude God from our thinking. And that's the starting point. That's where we live. We start out down here. That's what makes it hard is because we live in that world of sinfulness, selfishness, excluding God, worldliness. But then here's where we have to go. 2 Corinthians chapter 10. Turn over there. This is an important verse. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 5 says, We are destroying speculation and every lofty thing that rises up against the knowledge of God, and we are taking every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 5. So we start out down here. Look, we start out down here. Sinful. Sinful in our thinking. Sinful in our motives. Excluding God from our worldview. Excluding God from our thoughts. And then we have to move all the way up here of taking every thought captive. 
That's a lot of distance, at least it is for me, to take every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. Remember Christ's command, teach them everything that I've told you. And then we, then we, every thought, yeah, we evaluate every thought. Does it line up with Scripture? Now that gap there, that's what makes it hard to work in, as an elder in the church. Because you're trying to move people in that direction. And number three, another reason is it's because of, this is Satan's domain. He is there planting lies. He has got his false prophets and he's got uh, his false teachers there and false thinking that he is promoting. That makes it difficult. That makes it hard labor. Because the, the mind doesn't yield easily to new thoughts. But one another reason that it's hard is because the elders own sinful heart. That makes it hard because they have to evaluate their own selves. Is this right? Is this biblical? Am I thinking right? Am I seeing the right things before I approach this person about their sinfulness? Am I thinking biblically about this issue? Because our our own human hearts tend to wander, don't they? And that's what makes it difficult. That's what makes this work laborious. These elders must take people from the sinful thought patterns, and it's a habit, sinful thought habits and patterns, to godly patterns and habits. They, In fact, what we're trying to do and what we want to do is establish a whole community of people who think, really who think contrary to the world and who take every thought captive and are in complete alignment with this Word of God. Now that's a hard task. It's a very hard task. It's, it's hard in our own lives, but try to do it in somebody else's life. It's very hard. Every book that you read has ideas. Every television show that you watch, every class that you take in school, every... Um, news report that you hear has ideas, has values, has judgments. Every TV show, every blog that you read on the internet, every pithy little statement that you see on Facebook, they have a philosophy behind them. That's what makes it hard. We're combating all of those things. There's myriads of ideas out there. Every sermon that you listen to on the internet, every sermon that you listen to has ideas. Some are are in line with God's Word, some maybe are not. And let me tell you, there's a lot of sermons out there now. And it's more, folks, it's more than just establishing a Christian worldview. We, We want to go beyond. We want to think biblically. We want to react biblically. We want to take every thought captive. And let me tell you, Satan is not going to let us do this sitting down. He is active and he is trying to deceive God's people. Turn over to Acts chapter 20. Acts chapter 20. I want to lay this out for you so that you can understand 
um, Acts chapter 20, verse 29. Paul has gathered the elders of Ephesus together and he's, he's talking to them. He's kind of giving them some final instructions. He is getting ready to leave. He's going off to Jerusalem and they know he's probably going to be persecuted there. And here's what he says in verse, chapter, uh, Acts chapter 20, verse 29. I know that after my departure, savage wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock. These savage wolves, these are Satan's savage wolves. Satan's got them planted. And they're going to come in and they're not going to spare the flock. It says, from among, uh, from among your own selves, men will rise up. Mean from inside the church? Yeah. Even from inside the church, they're going to rise up, Paul says. Speaking perverse things. Listen, here's what it is. To draw away the disciples after themselves. To draw you away. Makes it hard. Satan is very active. Let me, let me put some icing on the cake. This makes it even harder. This makes it even tougher. Mark chapter 13. So we've got Satan out there. And this is his domain. And he is planting lies. And, and people are following him. And he's wanting more. And, and he will even come after the church. And even within the church are going to be rising up. And, and, and leading people away. Mark chapter 13, verse 21. And then, if anyone says to you, Behold, here is the Christ, or behold, there He is, or He is there, do not believe Him. False Christ and false prophets will arise. Now, this is Christ's teaching. This is what Christ was teaching His disciples. And will show signs and wonders in order to lead astray, if possible, the very elect. If possible. That's not possible. God has secured them. Christ, the Holy Spirit, is living in them. It's not possible. But boy, if at all possible, it is, it is going to be harder and harder and harder. Satan's going to bear down on this world. If at all possible, boy, the, the elect's going to even be it's all going to sound good. Even the elect can be, be tripped up. Look over at Matthew chapter 24. Matthew 24, verse 22. Christ, again, teaching. says, false Christ and false prophets will arise and will show great signs and wonders. Matthew chapter 24, verse 22. They're going to show, do signs and wonders so, so as to mislead, if possible, even the elect. Even the elect. In fact, if these days are not cut short, the elect's going to just going to fall. So God says, I'm going to cut them short. Satan, Satan is going to do such a crafty job. And he is. Look at the confusion of our, just the moral confusion of our world. We as Christians can't even argue anymore. We were just talking about this in Sunday school. We really can't even argue on a moral level uh, for many issues of our day. The, the world doesn't even set, accept a moral argument. 
We have to take it onto a traditional argument or onto some other, other kind of practical or pragmatic argument. They don't even understand. Well, this is just what the Bible says and this is what God says and so therefore it's immoral. <laughs> the world doesn't understand that. They don't understand that. Listen, elders need discernment. They have to have discernment. We're trying to take every thought captive. We also find in Scripture that every action should be based upon sound doctrine. So we're we're, we're controlling our mind. We're we're being careful with our mind. But every action is based upon sound doctrine. And we're trying to, uh, to, to lead a people in that direction. That's hard. It's an overwhelming task, really. Frankly, it is. But the reality is, is Christ is the the good shepherd, isn't he? And we're just under shepherds. They're just under shepherds. Elders are to determine... um, determine what ideas are consistent with this word, consistent with Scripture, and what are not. They are to guard the truth from error. And let me tell you, Satan is bearing down hard in our day. This is an information age. You can can learn about anything. And there's so much confusion right now in our world. It's so easy. It's so easy to develop an unbiblical attitude toward things. Right now, there's even within the church, there's a... There's a, a mixture of psychology and, and the Bible. There's confusion with this culture wars going on. Then we also throw into the mix this class warfare that people are stirring up. Differences in way of thinking about race and about differences in basically everything. Redefining definitions of everything. It's confusing. Confusing. It is, a, it is a hard job. Now, how do we apply this? What is the command that, Christ, that Paul is giving to us here? Look back to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. But we request of you, brethren, that you appreciate, is what my translation says. Yours might say no. Yours might, uh, might be a, a little bit different, but the word technically is to know. Now, it's not just to intellectually know, but to, I think, appreciate is the right, under, uh, the right uh, translation. It's, it's come to understand, to observe, and to, to know in such a way that you begin to appreciate what is happening and what their job is. How difficult it is. And that's what Paul's trying to communicate. That's why, that's how he's applying this. He says, I just want you to appreciate those who, who diligently lead, uh, labor among you. Just appreciate it. N- know it. Understand what is trying, what they're trying to do. What's going on there. Appreciate it. Know it. Understand it. Another way that uh, we can, we can um, apply this is the, apply this first point is we need to keep this in the realm of the spiritual. We need to keep this w- within 
the idealistic world, the world of sinful hearts, the world of bad attitudes, the world of ideas, and then the Bible. We've got to keep it in that realm. So often, it's just easy for us as elders, as any spiritual leader really, to just focus upon the physical, just focus upon the attendance, just focus upon the outward. But that's not where the problems lie. It's within the sinful heart. Uh, Acts chapter 6, the uh, elders had to clarify, look, our ministry is in prayer and the ministry of the Word. Let's don't get distracted by waiting on tables. Let's point other men to do that. And so the tendency is to, to take it into the physical. Let's just meet physical needs. And, and we can do that as a church, and we can do that well. I've seen us do that. And it is easy to, to, to just fall into to the, this category of, well, let's do this, or let's do that. That's a good idea. And we just do all kinds of stuff. Now, that's good stuff, but the elder's responsibility is in the spiritual realm. Now, there's another danger there, too. And the danger there is that they get drawn into intellectualism. And just staying that world of ideas and never apply it to real life. And that's a danger. And, and, and quite frankly, it, it really bothers me that we can do that. And it's, and it's just all uh, arguing, arguing over issues. And, and, and uh, you know, this verse says this, but this verse says that. And we just stay gridlocked, stay deadlocked. And we never move. We never do anything. And it's just all in this realm of ideas and, and uh, intellectualism. And that is not biblical either. That's not where we are to be. That stifles the church. So we stay in this, this spiritual realm. But yet there's even in that realm, there's dangers. There's dangers. So we have to be very, very careful as elders. Now, let me quickly just give you, (laughs) forget that second point and that third point. We'll pick those up next week. Let me apply it, though. We lay a heavy burden on elders, a heavy responsibility. And sometimes we we don't appreciate it. In fact, many times, and and I've been the same way, I, I wonder, what do they do? You know, how can they meet for hours on end? You know, what is there to talk about? Just get out and do stuff. And it's good. It sounds good. Yeah, we got to do stuff. And that is good. That's good. But we're, we're called. We're called to this realm of, of sitting. <laughs> um, of sitting and, and reading and listening to ideas, listening to hearts that are that are, uh, are are completely wrong and are distorting the word of God, and then we have to correct it. And, and I'm afraid so often we we don't quite understand what the purpose of the church is. It's not about the physical doing of things. We can do some of those, and that's good. We should be active. 
But we have to be very careful that the elders' responsibility is making sure that the spiritual element of this church is right. And you need to have that proper understanding. You need to understand that. That we're dealing with things on an on a spiritual level. We're dealing things on an idealistic level or an ideal level. Where sin lies, where Satan is there, where Satan works and he's active. And he will, let me tell you, he would love to just, to just sweep us away. He would love to do that. And he's active. He's, he's trying to do it. He's wanting to do it. And he will do it if he can. <laughs> Let me give you this. Christ said, though, I will build my church. And, and el- elders take refuge in that. They have responsibilities. They have the roles that they play. But also God is there. God is there. And he says, I will build my church. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, I pray, Lord, that you would help us to think biblically and help us to check our attitudes and help us, Lord, to make sure we're not bringing our attitude from the world into the church. Help us to be very careful, Lord, to to have an appreciation, to have a knowledge, to have an understanding of what our elders are trying to do in establishing a a community here that thinks biblically. And Lord, how hard that is when we have a world that's just fighting us on every level. And Lord, help our elders of our church to... To be the godly men they need to be. To do the spiritual work that needs to be done. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.